There's not that much to look at here, but we all know what this ultrasound means. And at 13 weeks in, most of the systems are already in place. But it's really just a preview of what's to come. And every day of formation, every new cell makes the whole system more resilient, more viable, and more able to go change the world in whatever way he or she changes it. The future is exciting. So from that to the other most beautiful thing in life, termite mounds. While not as cuddly, is the same promise in effect here? In the massive increase in quality of life that community brings? We're destined for something amazing. We see echoes of it all over existence and still have only a vague notion of its potential. Because not only does it represent the peak of conscious joy, but a movement beyond that in an expanding, evolving, dynamic, meaningful experience so cool that there's really only one word for it. Heaven. Stay tuned. Okay, everyone, we're back again, again. Thanks for hanging out with us. It's another episode of Swedenborg and Life. Really appreciate it. Today, we're talking about the Heaven Project, as we promised in our intro thing. My name is Curtis Childs, and I'm going to be the host taking us through it, and it's an exciting topic, so I'm glad to have you with us. And essentially, what we're doing in this episode is asking the question that's been asked before, why is there something rather than nothing? And that was originally asked by this guy, uh... Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz, and he was asking it in the context of this philosophical argument about the existence of God, but really, I feel like we all ask this question, whether it's out loud or implicitly, and really, we're using it in a more practical context. We're saying, why why is there something rather than nothing? Because life is hard. Like, why are we going through all of these things? Why do we have the distress that we have in life, the, the different kinds of agony that we have to get through at times? And actually, when you add God to the equation, it becomes a lot more pressing, because God is omniscient, omnipresent, uh, omnipotent, has all the resources in the world, and yet we still go through all this stuff. It's kind of like if your dad was a billionaire, and yet still he wouldn't lend you money if you, if you, you know, fell off a porch or something and needed a loan for medical stuff. It's like, where are you? We're not saying that life isn't hard. We're not going to make the case that life isn't a struggle or that just seen by itself that it's, it's really great. It's great for some people. It's very hard for others. At different times in life, it can be, you know, have a vastly different flavor to it. But what we are going to assert tonight is that life is great within the context, and the context is that something awesome is coming, and it's getting bigger, and it's getting more connected all the time, and that something is the Heaven Project. Yeah, we're going to, it's down here. We're going to talk about Heaven, Swedenborg's visions and visitations to Heaven, but it's not just Heaven, it's an evolving heaven, meaning that it's this giant happiness machine that people participate in and that blesses all the people uh, everywhere, and it's better today than it was yesterday. And we're going to look at three factors that make it so that whatever heaven you go into, it's the best it's ever been. So let's begin with part one. Claim number one here in this first section is that heaven is always getting better because heaven is always getting bigger. There's actually an increase to the numbers in heaven, which isn't surprising because there's a ton of people in the world. You know, we we interact with them all the time. You see them when you go places, right? There are a lot of these people all over the place. We've you've probably heard statistics like this, but we got some numbers for you here. You know, 350,000 people born every day, 150,000 people die every day, right? But if you're thinking in terms of an afterlife, these people who are dying here, you just think, oh, they're, they're dead, so they're gone. They're, they went somewhere. According to Swedenborg, all the people that are dying in the course of a day, they're not ceasing to exist. They're suddenly populating a new place, and that this is a process that's going to go on forever, that every work of God reflects infinity and eternity, according to Swedenborg in his book, Last Judgment. Ah, my finger got cut off there. Um, and th- so this is a process that's always going on, and, and heaven is not only growing, but growing faster as the population increases. But that might lead you to think, 
is is bigger actually worse? If you were going to go to the supermarket and you knew that every time you went back there, there would be more people in it, that doesn't sound like, yeah, that's so cool. But Swedenborg says that because of the structure of heaven, actually increase in numbers is increase in quality of life for everyone. This is from Heaven and Hell, number 71. You can click this book and download it for free if you want. He says, it is worth noting that the more members there are in a single community in heaven, and the more united they are in action, the more perfect is their human form. Pardon me. This is because variety arranged in a heavenly form makes perfection, and variety occurs where there are many individuals, because each of us is unique and brings something different to the table. He continues, every community in heaven is growing in numbers daily. And the more it grows, the more perfect it becomes. In this way, not only is the community perfected, but heaven in general is perfected as well, since the communities constitute heaven. So angels long for nothing more than to have new angel guests arrive there. That's a pretty strong endorsement. If you want to know if a neighborhood improves because more people are there, check with the residents. And if they are not only allowing people in, but that's the number one thing on their wish list, all they want is more people to show up, then you, it's, there's proof there that there's an increase in numbers that leads to an increase in quality for everyone. And the way Swedenborg describes it, it's like a bunch of dots. In a, so every one person that goes into heaven doesn't just expand heaven, but fills it in. He talks about the, the for, functional form of a human being like the heavenly form. And the more people that show up and participate, the better rendered that form is. So it's not like, oh, we got to break down this section, add something new. It's this thing that, that was only being run by a certain number of people now has more people. Now it can more fully play its role within the larger context of heaven. And that might sound kind of out there and like nothing you've heard before, but actually there are there are uh, dynamics like this all over the physical world. Swedenborg says all this spiritually stuff that he talks about, you can see mirrored in the physical world. We got a couple of examples for you here of this idea of uh, the, the, the increase of the constituents making the whole better. First, appeal to authority. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Aristotle, right? He's famous. But I think that that quote survived because there is some truth in it. If you get people working together in the right way, they can create a bigger, better thing than they all would have been able to do individually. And there's people in the modern era who are labeling that same phenomena in different ways because it's popping up in the way things are studied. For example, if you ever heard of Wikipedia, we know how to get there. Emergence is a modern term for it. Emergence is a phenomenon whereby larger entities arise through interactions among smaller or simpler entities, such that the larger entities exhibit properties the smaller, simpler entities do not exhibit. So if you have people working together in a certain way, they can actually create things that, uh, as individuals, they couldn't create. Is this all too theoretical still? Let me give you something really tangible. We turn to termite mounds, which is where you always go when you're in distress. Like we mentioned in the opening, a termite is a little insect, like an ant. You know, you've probably seen one. They they chew on the rafters in house or in houses, or that's what they're, they're stereotypically portrayed as. They're like a little ant. They run around. If one is by itself. It can try to find food, um, doesn't have very good defenses against predators. If it gets too hot, it won't survive, it'll cook. If it gets too cold, it will freeze. That's about the quality of life it can expect. But when termites work together, they can build these amazing structures. These these termite mounds heat themselves, cool themselves through through their alignment with the sun. They actually practice agriculture in there. They raise, uh, I think it's fungi, to eat in there. They're actually called a superorganism because of how well they're working together. It's almost like one uh, creature out of all these independent parts. The quality of life for each individual termite is raised so dramatically by being in this group. And so Swedenborg is positing that heaven is like a celestial termite mound. Isn't that beautiful? If that doesn't do it for you, here's here's an auditory example. Why are there still... Oh, no, before that, um, thinking about... Sticking with biology, uh, single-celled versus multicellular organisms. Human beings, we have a lot of cells working together, and that's good because we can do a lot. You know, for example, she can do a lot more than that bacterium can. She can conduct meetings and 
paint, you know, and everything that human beings can do, cover great distances, metabolize all kinds of food, affect the temperature in their area. And that's because it's not just one cell, it's a bunch of cells working together. That creates a better environment. But even if you had as many single-celled organisms as there are cells in the human body, whatever, like a trillion, trillion cells in the human body, still all those single-celled objects or creatures couldn't do what a person can do because there's this benefit not only from having numbers, but from working together, right? That creates these emergent effects. Now on to our auditory example, which is the question, why do we still have choirs? Like as soon as they invented like a microphone and a PA system, when you just get your best singer, have them sing and turn it really loud, you don't need a bunch of people to sing anymore, but, but choirs are all over the place. They're doing just fine. And it's because actually in the group, the diversity of notes creates a fuller sound. So this is like a single note here. That's the note everyone's shooting for, but not everybody hits it exactly. Some people are a little high, some people are a little low. And because you have all that um, variance there, you actually get this fuller, wonderful sound that attracts people to this kind of music. So it's in the variety, the way they hit that note, that a larger group, if it's if it's tuned right, can make a better sound. Really, though, the most potent example is to think in terms of a cause or something that needs help. If, if there's disaster relief, <clears throat> the more people that are doing it, the better. Right. If there's a, if you're looking to cure cancer, the more people that are doing it, the better. It's not like, oh, we don't need you to help us cure cancer. However, if you don't have the right systems in place, right, like if you don't have the structure and the resources flowing in the right direction, then it's not going to help. So heaven is this combination of the two, this increase in numbers, but with this structure together that creates this continually improving environment because everybody's doing their little work on the heavenly termite mound. Except for, in this case, each termite, that's not a very inspiring example, is it? I won't use that. Each human mind, a human heart in heaven, not only is it being joined by more people, which is creating a greater heaven, but each person in heaven is improving all the time as well. And we're going to take a look at that now in the next section. everyone for this segment we have dr jonathan rose joining us hey curtis like just barely joining you yeah like, i'm sorry you're supposed to be here like 20 minutes ago. i know i know i was out in the parking lot i met a really really interesting person and uh i never met anybody like that before it was, okay. I, 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 but i'm very sorry to have wasted everybody's time no, that's but, fine but let's just get going on this show. Uh, well i know but i just have if i put them into this heart app that i got a few years ago then i've got all their information if i I'm sorry to everybody. If I can just take another second okay. to just put right, this no, in fine. here. I am sorry. Okay. Your heart's love capacity is nearly full. Would you like to cancel this new contact or select an existing friendship to delete from your heart? That's, did you hear that? That's horrifying. My heart's love capacity is almost okay. full. Can then just, I can either, sorry, I just have just to. get that done. I, I, I want to keep the new person, so I'll just, just sorry, just, just a second. Okay. All right. That's just fine. But we kind of, all right. Are you sure you'd like to delete Curtis Childs? Hey, whoa, okay, all right, listen, man, you do not have to delete me out of your heart because you found somebody oh, else well, that you like. that's an immense relief, I have well, to tell you. listen, man, according to Swedenborg, the human capacity for love and wisdom can increase to eternity, to infinity. Wow, well, that makes so much sense because, you know, every time you meet a new person, there's room in your heart. You know, it's amazing that it doesn't have... An app may have limits, but your heart doesn't. It's right. A, it's amazing. It will picture it like a bunch of dots, uh, which we just happen to have uh, okay, right good. here. We showed heaven increasing in numbers, right, previously. But all those dots, see how they're starting to glow. Each individual person is also increasing, just like heaven as a whole is increasing. So increasing in love, increasing in wisdom. Uh, and actually, this is portrayed in a video uh, that we have of Swedenborg uh, of True Christianity 32. Mm. You translated this. Mm. So maybe this will jog your memory here. <laughs> uh, but th this is him describing this increase and in how it takes place. An enlightened reason can also grasp something of the infinity of God from the absence of limits to the growth of any science, and so to the growth of an individual's intelligence and wisdom. 
each of which is capable of growth as a tree grows from seed, and woods and gardens from trees, for here there is no limit. The human memory is the soil in which intelligence and wisdom are planted. The understanding is the medium in which they germinate, and the will is where they bear fruit. These two faculties, the understanding and the will, are such that they are capable of being cultivated and perfected throughout life in this world, and afterwards to eternity. So what, what grows to eternity? You know, I'm thinking about, mm. you, know, you think about things that grow, but he, where do we see an example of this, if he's claiming that an individual can grow eternally, what what do we have that shows us that in metaphor or in mm. correspondence? Well, toward the end of that passage, he was talking about the will, which I assume is the heart, that yeah. thing you were talking about before, about the heart being able to grow, but also the mind being able to grow. But before that, he used the word science, I think, right? Yes. Like there's no right. limits, even in this world, to any kind of science. Makes me think about things like anatomy, where there's more and more discoveries going on about the microbiome or immunotherapy or how memory works or or whatever. Right. And you can have hundreds of scientists in an area now that never existed, you know, 50 years ago. Like it just keeps growing. And you see this also in particle physics. You see this uh, in astronomy, you know, all sorts of different areas that it just... So even in our world, we see sort of an image of that endless growth. So because there's this progression of knowledge that the human race is gathering and we've come so far since a thousand years ago and we're nowhere near the limit so so you're saying that just like all that study and knowledge can grow the individual can grow yeah they're not going to have to hear siri saying we're sorry you know that science has come to an end and uh, yeah or or nondescript non-copyrighted app uh you know i'm sorry yeah that's right exactly (laughs) so he makes this other point in there which i found quite shocking when i first heard it which is that he compares the growth of an individual to a forest, and I could, mm. I could see like the growth of an individual mind being like a tree. You know, like you think you're a little sapling when right. you're a baby, you only know a few things. You grow up, you're a teenager, then you mature as an adult. You're a big tree, but he takes it a step beyond that. What, what's he doing there? Yeah, it seems like he's saying even just one individual in the mind of one individual gets to the point where that tree is full grown, and then it has fruit. And the fruit falls to the ground and grows up into more trees, yeah. and it keeps going. And it's not like in this world where the old growth dies off, but it all just keeps alive and it keeps going and moving out like yeah. that. So it's a, a grove and then a grove of groves and a forest and then a forest of forests and going on without end. I think about it like uh, an island um, that, that's just a volcanic island that's just formed, and then the first like coconut seed that uh, mm. uh, you know that, that that floats there on a raft. It ends up you populated the whole island just from that. He's <laughs> describing right. individual growth like that, which seems incredible mm. to think incredible. about. What would that be like if we're just one one part of one tree now? Mm. And he says that the goal of all, what's the goal of all that growth? But is that we are being formed into a personal heaven, like our mm. own little heaven. And he talks mm. about it in Last Judgment. I thought since you were the guest, maybe you could read this. All right. It is the nature of the human and angelic mind that it can be enriched more and more to eternity. And as it is enriched, it is perfected. This happens especially when people are being led by the Lord because then they're introduced to genuinely true thoughts that become rooted in their understanding and to genuinely good desires that become rooted in their will. Since the Lord is arranging everything in this kind of mind into a form of heaven so completely that eventually it becomes a heaven in miniature. So the the point is that heaven is growing, like we saw, into its form, but then each person is making that transition into a a heaven. And so when you're there, not only are you getting more neighbors, but your neighbors are getting cooler and cooler, you're getting cooler and cooler, so that you're able to help more, they're able to help you, so there's sort of this exponential growth there. That's right. That's right. And the last concept I want to go over with you is probably even stranger and cooler mm. than that. This is lead in is Secrets of Heaven four three seven nine. Uh, would you do that? You did that All really right. well. Let's try see. to get out of the way of that. Yeah. When people are being reborn, they run through the same stages of life they do upon birth. An earlier stage always serves as a kind of egg in relation to a later stage. We are constantly being conceived and born. That's so the, really not. He's not being literal there. No, no, not but in the literal sense. Evolution of the but spirit. But somehow the evolution of the mind is wow. as if, even though as far as you've come so far, that's still 
just an egg to what has yet to come. Yeah. He says this happens not only while we're living in the world, but also when we go to the other world, to eternity. Even so, we are never at more than the egg stage so far as the limitless things to come are concerned. Because you think, you, even when, if you're reading Swedenborg, you even think like, okay, we've got, we got ourselves to heaven, and now you're there, and you made right. it. That's kind of like, it's nice there, but that's sort of the end of the... End of the road, but that's not what he's saying at all. No, no, that's right. It's as if there are different. Um, here's an egg here. So everything in your life so far, no matter how many phases you've already been through, is just an egg for something else. And as it's cracking, you see the light coming out. Yeah, uh, that there's all this uh, future possibility that's present there, and then after that. That just turns out to be an egg for another stage. That's right. So it doesn't matter. You've got you, you've lived all your life here. You've got into heaven. You're this really awesome angel. You know all this stuff. But it's like still mm. you haven't even real life hasn't you've even really started hardly yet. Hardly really begun. Yeah. It's kind of like That's this awesome. um, where you you have every single phase has another phase within it. Mm. You know, and the the phase before was just leading to the upgraded version. That's the one that keeps next. opening. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in that pink smiley phase right now. And I remember when we were when we were discussing this before the episode, um, mm. you you gave me this cool kind of summary of of the difference between Swedenborg's idea of heaven and and other ideas that mm. people like me even have have held previously. So we lay that out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and, and and me too. There's there's sort of three different sort of models that I can think of of ways that people might he- hold heaven. One you might call static. It's basically like Amazing Grace or something where you've been there 10,000 years and you have no less days to sing God's praise and so on. But there's not an impression that it's going to be much different on day 10,001 or whatever. Like it's good, but it's it's great. You made it there and you're there. But it's sort of a static uh, position. Then there's more of a dynamic a situation where, let's say, people who always wanted to be musical or to dance in this world, but yeah. they couldn't do it, you know, that there's some kind of development that they're hoping. And so I see that line turns from blue to green, that they're developing as they go along, and yeah. there's sort of an increase and so on. So it's like the, the, the an idea of heaven where there's heaven, but you keep getting better in heaven. Like, you get better and better at the piano, Whatever you can add an addition on your house, so heaven is not totally static; it's it's getting better. So that's it's dynamic one over time. That's one concept. But Swedenborg but is describing something else. Actually. Swedenborg's view is even more mind-boggling than that. Uh, this is sort of repeated hatching, and you see how each line. This is one person. It yeah. keeps hatching and hatching all these different colors, and it keeps expanding and expanding. You, sort of, you leave the graph real quick there. That every single point is this break off into the next. And you can't next. depict it, and it may unfold relatively slowly the way our life does. To You know, at what exact second do you stop being a yeah. child and start being a teenager or whatever? But still, something very different is coming yeah. from what went before, and it's cumulative. It has all the other stuff in it, but it's still somewhere you've never been. And every every individual in heaven is going through that. And, and it's something very good. Like, it's not, like, now what am I? Now what? It's, like, no. positive. It's, it's like, the best parts of growing up and your new abilities to be able to do things. It, it's phenomenal spiritual growth. And if, if this is still confusing to people at home, we have one more visual aid to it. So what, what he's essentially saying is that the growth lasts forever. So think about the phase of being in the womb. You don't really use your senses. It's cool, but you get all your food supplied to you and everything. But the difference between that and this independent life where there are colors and sound and you can go and you can have a career and friendships and love people. This is a whole new thing. Swedenborg is saying, so we go into this, but then we go into the afterlife, which we have to like depict with computers because we don't have you know, video of it. But there, you're in heaven. Things are going so great. You're in this community, everything. But he's saying that even after that, there are continual improvements, that it's not like this statically. We got to heaven, and then it's there. And it's, it's not like there's no continuity one to the other. Swedenborg says, in a lot of ways, heaven is a lot like this life. It's just better. So the things you go into you'll be using what you had before but you're always improving and not just your experience but your ability to help other people and so with everyone in heaven helping everyone at better and better levels that's a lot of mm. there's a lot of joy mm. 
And speaking of that, great. it's been a lot of joy uh, having you here. Really appreciate great. you coming I'm out. I'm so, so sorry I deleted you. You're not out of my heart. You're, you're still in. <laughs> well, we shall see. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to section three, where we're going to look at how the increase in numbers and the increase in individual ability combine. So, as I said, we talked about these two kinds of increase in heaven. It's, heaven is getting better in macrocosm and in microcosm. It is getting more and more people who are participating in it, but it's also for each individual, they are growing as their own miniature heaven. And you think about having somebody, the person you know who is the most loving, smart, caring, wise person you know that, that exists, um, think about everybody growing into that, and there'd be more and more love and wisdom around you, and the cool um, potential in that. We're going to show here that there's there's this exponential compounding effect with these two being brought together, and to make that point, we got to say that there are three things that have the capacity to grow forever. Swedenborg says there's an eternal ability of our uh, growth of our ability to understand, our ability to love, and our ability to put both into action, and actually those together make heaven. Um, so he describes this in Heaven and Hell 49, which we have a little clip of for you, just the power that the outreach of one individual can have on others. All in heaven communicate by the outreach of the auras that emanate from the life of every individual. An aura of life is an aura of affections based in love and faith. This reaches out far and wide into surrounding communities, farther and wider as the affections are deeper and more perfect. Angels possess intelligence and wisdom in proportion to this outreach. The ones who are in the most inward heaven and therefore at the center have an outreach into all of heaven, so that there is a communication of everyone in heaven with each individual and of each individual with everyone. So it's not just that you're th- you're growing in your ability to think and feel, but but since it's the spiritual world, thoughts and feelings travel out and affect everyone. It's part of the community and the fabric, and everyone else's thoughts and feelings are affected you. It's not because it's heaven, it's organized, so it's not like, oh, I didn't want that. Whatever it is increases, it, it purifies the spiritual air that you're breathing. So everybody is doing that. The thing is getting bigger and better. And so that's the the thoughts and feelings side. As, as those increase in everyone, they're able to share more and more. But as this action side increases, as everyone gets better at taking their individual love and wisdom and putting it into use for everybody else, you, you take the way you see the world and the way you feel and really put it into action, there's more and more joy for the person doing and for everybody's lives that they touch. And Swedenborg describes this in Secrets of Heaven 8470. He says, in a, in a heavenly community, each member shares the good cheer he has with all the other members, and everyone there shares with each individually. From this arises the good of all in general. This goodness interacts with the overall goodness of other communities, which gives rise to a still more general goodness, and finally to the most general goodness of all. That is how people share with one another in heaven, which is why they are unified. So there's this amazing unity there, and it's all about the common good. And that might sound like something that's too good to be true or something that doesn't have any analog, but as we always say, there's examples in the physical world all around us. In particular, the model for this kind of cooperation and love that that number is talking about, you're wearing one right now. I got one here. The human body is the ultimate uh, image of this communication. So what? how does that actually work? I'll take you through it step by step. An individual cell is doing something good for the body. That's like a person in heaven with their individual good efforts. But all the cells in that tissue are putting out their own individual efforts. So you get this tissue, it's able to contribute to the whole more than a cell is. But on a larger scale, the liver is an 
is an organ that is the, all these tissues working together to do something very specific for the body. But not only that, it's part of an organ system. We have these other organs also doing something different but complementary, and from that you get something as amazing as the digestive system, which lets you eat all kinds of food, which lets the body sustain, replenish itself, and continue to live, all from these little cells that are doing their parts, but with this organization principle and this connection that allows them to accomplish this amazing, these amazing things on a scale to which they never could on their own. But a design like that really needs to be held together. In the body, it's the mechanism of the body, it's the, D, the code and the DNA of the cells and how that's um, rendered. What's holding it all together in heaven? Well, I'm glad that I forced you to ask. This is Secrets of Heaven 8470. Only love, which is a spiritual bond, makes this sharing of good qualities possible. The universal agent that forms and organizes everything in general and particular is divine goodness, born of divine love from the Lord. So there is this permeating divine love that's radiating out into heaven, and it's love and wisdom. So it's not just the desire to help, it's structure. It's structure and form. The human body is so works so well because of its exquisite structure, and heaven is put together just as carefully so that it is connecting and growing all the time in every way. We actually made a clip about this a while ago where this is a couple of descriptions Swedenborg had about just how cool the heaven experience is and why it's that cool. So we thought we would play that for you. This is from a, a video we originally entitled, What Heaven Feels Like. To offer just an idea of it, the countless pleasures and joys in heaven, which come together to create a single experience shared by all, carry with them a certain emotion. Within that common experience or that common emotion are points of harmony among a boundless number of feelings. I was allowed to perceive that there were countless parts, organized in a way that can never be described. Every one of the parts is alive, and every one of them affects us all the way to our core, for the deepest parts are where heavenly joy comes from. I also perceived that joy and happiness seemed to come from my heart, gently permeating even the tiniest parts of my nerves. The sensations of this joy at the deepest levels made it seem as though each nerve was composed of nothing but joy and good feelings. The nerves seemed alive with happiness. The joy we feel in physical indulgence compared to these joys is like a coarse, stinging dust compared with the gentlest breath of pure air. We may gather the magnitude of heaven's pleasure simply from the fact that for everyone there it is delightful to share their happiness and bliss with someone else. And since everyone in the heavens is like this, we can see how immense heaven's happiness is. For there is in heaven a sharing by everyone with each individual, and by each individual with everyone. Isn't that potent? I mean, the just the idea, not necessarily the narrator, he was a little bit heavy, but the idea of everybody sharing with everyone, and this increase of numbers, and this increase of proficiency of each individual member, it's so exciting, the only way we can really portray it is with a bunch of dots. So let's go back to our dots guy. Not only is everybody growing and glowing, but there's these connections. There are particular communities linking up with other communities, and in that, creating this emergence that we were talking about before, these qualities, this state of life that couldn't happen without everybody working together. So you're actually getting more than the sum of the parts. Even all those amazing people in there growing forever, uh, adding, being added to by the new influx, there's, it's even better than that because there is this connection, this organization, this structure, and the whole of heaven, like the body is a life machine. The body exists to live and to create homeostasis. Heaven is a happiness machine for the people in it, for the people outside it, because it's looking to reach out to everyone. For everyone, this is a really cool thing, and this is the, that's the point of life. Swedenborg says that the point of divine providence is a heaven from the human race. So why don't we recap it, because it's on such an important subject. This is our wrap-up here. Okay, let's look, let's take it through our dots person here. Heaven is what this is all for. This is what we put the work in for, and heaven is always growing. And that growth directly translates into more happiness for all. And speaking of growth, you, like everyone else, has unlimited potential to grow and benefit others more and more, while everyone else is doing the same to you. And as all of us increase in numbers and individual power in heaven, that connections increase exponentially, leading to unimaginable amounts of the highest grade meaningful happiness for all. It sounds pretty good. 
Thanks. <laughs> if that, if you want to feel that kind of joy and happiness right now, please like and subscribe. Uh, when I say something stupid like that, it means we're at the end of our show. But hopefully, we've been able to give you a vision that's that's as inspiring as the heaven that that Swedenborg describes. And hopefully, that's pumping you up for our potential to participate in it while we're here, and and then when we're on the other side. So now we are going to get to your questions right on the other side of this. But first, if you want to help support this program and other programs like it where they're nonprofit and we rely on donations. So here's a little bit of our philosophy on how you can contribute. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on Swedenborg.com, and we produce this show and other content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up, though, is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins. Good news, I'm back in Jonathan Rose's heart, so we're going to be here <laughs> answering some questions together since we had him in the studio. Let's see what you guys have to say uh, from the chat. So our first question is from YouTube, and it's from the New Church of Montgomery. How you guys doing? Are, though that's a watch group. Uh, are people who have passed on privy to what is happening in the lives of their families? A- answer, um, maybe. Swedenborg isn't like super strong on this. Like You get some people who are mediums or something who will say, yeah, they're aware. But what, what, what's your recollection of what he says about that? Yeah, I mean, Swedenborg sort of kind of has it both ways in some passages he says that the spirits are not aware of who they're with or how those people are doing but there's uh, a couple of memorable occurrences that are listed in true christianity at the end of his works where he's talking to someone and he says to the spirit do you know who you're with and the person said yes and they yeah. talk about where the person lives yep. and what the person's thinking and and so you sort of get a mixed uh, impression i think that he says thought brings presence and love brings conjunction. Yes. So I think if there's love there, there's got to be some kind of t- togetherness. You yeah. know, he says when married partners are separated on either side who loved each other, you know, their hearts dwell together That's in right. some sense. And, there you go. And and so I don't know if they know exactly what they they probably might know that you're sad or you know I don't know if they know that the fridge broke or you know yeah you know unless you're sad because of the fridge. <clears throat> that um, is always depressing. So now, <laughs> there's got it, but it's got to be emotionally. It just only seems right if there's some kind of connection there. So there's got right. it's, it's not. It'd be too mechanical to say no longer do I care about the affairs of Earth. I, but but yeah, probably it's not like they're sitting in the room every second looking around. There's probably something in the middle. It could be there's more or less connection in particular situations where they're needed more. But yeah, I, I like your points you bring up. And I've had the thought that, uh, and Swedenborg doesn't speak to it directly, but that since you're going through stuff, they may be going through stuff as well. You know what I mean? Part of their spiritual oh, development okay. is to sort of go through some of that with you or to realize some right. of those things and, and that we're, uh, you know, we're working stuff together on either side of the veil. It's great. Okay, cool. Thanks for the question. Let's, uh, so we sort of answered that. I feel like we answered part of it. Um, all right, let's look at the next one. <laughs> Mina, having a hard time. My husband passed away in April. Does he know how hard it is for me? So this is in the same kind of vein. Just want to say, so sorry about that. That is mm. like an incredibly difficult loss uh, to deal with, and so recently, um, you know. So sorry for what you're going through. And you just said that Swedenborg talks about the spirit of one married partner dwelling with the other one, even That's if they're right. separated. But with with married partners, he does get explicit about yes, there is this connection that can continue. Yeah. So. I also read a fascinating book a while ago called Hello from Heaven. I read that. That was uh, not, uh, you know, not written by people connected with Swedenborg or whatever, but they yeah. did a whole bunch of interviews with people about spontaneous, unsought contact from loved ones after death. That's right. And one of the things that the loved ones do is they say uh, that, um, you know, they they hope that the people here can can not feel so much grief and so on because they're fine, they're doing well and, and so on. You know, I know that there's, you don't have any control over that grieving, uh, but it was interesting in that book that that was sometimes the message. Yeah. Uh, 
you know. Well, any time, any time that somebody you care about is suffering, you know, you wish you could take that away. Exactly. And I, I imagine that's what it is. Swedenborg says all this kind of stuff about we keep our personality in the next life. Yeah. So it's got to be you. You're not just going to forget. So you're gonna you're gonna care and you're gonna understand what somebody's going through. And I can't imagine, uh, you know, her husband not wanting to. Can I do anything to help? Right. Can I mitigate? Because angels are doing all kinds of stuff to try to help people on earth. So why wouldn't you try to do that thing? I know that uh, you know I've had people that I love that they died have had things that dreams that sort of felt like a visit. That's got to be, but it's not. It's got to be part of their effort. That's know, right. To reach out. That's right. And you and I did a show a while ago about the sort of rules that govern, you know, that how your loved ones are able to yeah. interact with. You know, there's certain restrictions under. You know. It all depends yeah, on the circumstances. So we but, did a uh, show that's called Why Don't Our Loved Ones Communicate With Us More? And the point we were trying to make there is based on Swedenborg, it's not like somebody who we love who has died is sitting there like, well, maybe I'll visit him uh, in two months. You know, like, <laughs> It's, it's that, that just like here, there are times when we can't get through to people. That it's, very, it's very difficult because of, all, because of all the structure of reality. and The, the, the communication right. between the world mm-hmm. is not as open as it's supposed to be, so it's not an indicator of how much they care whether or not they're getting through, but I do think that's right. they know, even if even if we can't hear them, that they're out there. And I suspect that he's going through a process, she's going through a process, and and uh, and anyway, just just wish you well. Yeah. Sorry to hear about that. And, that's, and it's very painful. This, as the show said at the beginning, it's you know it's a veil of tears. They say you know it, it's a difficult life. Yeah, there, we're so. not saying that. Oh, because there's heaven and God, that life is great. It's all great it's here. It's not. It's hard. It's, it's, it's incredibly hard. Um, but it's got to be that in the end, it's okay. Yeah. That's the message. Right? And, and there's a really good uh, really good outcome. Yeah. yeah. So thanks for being willing to, to share that with us. Let's do another one. Uh, this is from Mary. Since all good spirits and angels go forward, do they change in appearance? Mm. Yeah, I think they do. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about it? Sure. It's very interesting that Swedenborg seems to talk in a way almost as if you have your, you know, we have our physical life while we're here and we look a certain way and we age and so on. And yep. then you pass on and then you're a spirit and your spirit often looks similar to the way you did in this world and people recognize you and you have interchanges with people. But then there's, if, he only talks about it a couple of times, but there's actually a point at which even in a sense your spirit dies and the angel is born out of that. And when you go through that transition, Swedenborg says your name changes, yeah. your look changes. Right. You know, there were people Swedenborg didn't even recognize until they said, "Hey, it's me," you know, or something. Yeah. But, but, uh, and so it it there is a, a profound um, difference when people come into their true inner nature and their their clothes. It almost sounds like you can tell who's recently arrived in the other in the. The world of spirits where we go right after we die because yep. they're still wearing street clothes you know that's kind right, of right. thing they're, they're not yeah. in the robes or, or whatever wherever he, it goes he talks about um you know he talks about spiritual heavens uh celestial heaven and sort of the angels from these different levels looking different that's know, right the, the, he says they don't the angels in the the outermost level you could you could paint they didn't have like photoshop then but he's like you yeah. could paint somebody that looked about as good as them if you were a really good painter but the third heaven no way you're not going to no get way. close so, it's, so it's gotta be that you can because you are the form of your mind and heart mm. so if your love and wisdom is increasing to eternity your form gets more beautiful and more beautiful and more beautiful exactly that's right and he and swedenborg explicitly says that that you get younger to grow old in heaven is to grow young and so as you're going through all that hatching and crazy things we were talking about that's in the right. show, actually that's making you more beautiful, more peaceful, you know, more centered and so on. Yeah, um, yeah that, that does affect your appearance, and that's why angels are depicted as incredibly beautiful. Yeah, and, but they're, everything matches. It's not like you look really great, but you're not great. So right. you're, you're, you're through and through a correspondence. So that's yeah. fun. But you know, we, we won't. None of us will care because you know we'll be so like deep. You know that we don't care about how people. Look. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so let's look at the next question. Thanks very much for that one, Mary. Asmer Luca, we're on this earth to choose between good and evil. So what happens to young children who can't make that choice and who die? They go directly to heaven. What if they would have been evil later in life? Which is a great question. So if you read Swedenborg, mm. he does present that. He says that children who die go to heaven. My thinking is it's got to be. That providence is foresight as well as what's going. So God knows what's going to happen 
as well as what is happening. Not that he's causing everything that's going to happen, but he can just deduct, deduct it or something like that. So it must be that people who die young were going to go to heaven or something. Because otherwise, yeah, we'd be better off just nuking the whole planet and everybody would right. go to heaven, right? But it, it's got to be that it, it isn't like that. Yeah, this is a great, great mystery. And, and Swedenborg does say that children of babies and so on, of all different religions and walks of life, you know, they all they all uh, make the cut. And one reason for that is that uh, you really have to be kind of adult and rational to do stuff that's genuinely evil. I know kids do stuff that's sort of nasty or mean or, or yes. whatever. Yes, we do. But the... Uh, but that's different from sort of a condemnable yeah. kind of sin sort of right. thing. You know, that's that's sort of an adult thing. And so if people pass on before that age, uh, it, it is hard to figure out the whole, whole how the whole free will thing uh, plays into there. Because they never get the chance, but, so it's not fair. You know, like you and I, we're in a lot of trouble because we have the capability to do evil. Right. Um, eh, but it's got to be fair, and it's got to be... That somehow it's got to have something to do with foresight. You know what? That's we'll we would answer the question fully if you guys pay for this subscription. Sir. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what what the, the I don't know. He doesn't specify how that mechanism works. Yeah, that's right. And uh, God's will, as far as I can figure it out, is for like the the plan is for us to die in a good old age, just not diseased, but just yep. falling asleep peacefully or something like that. You know, so there's something about the aging process in this world that is uh, desirable. So it's not ideal to have all the, right. you know, children pass on, but they become a very important segment of heaven. He talks about the, you know, in that highest heaven, there's a lot of these sweethearts yeah. that, that, that died as children. He there, also talks some about of the highest angels. Uh, sort of the... the People who died as kids and never really had to grapple with evil are naive in a certain way. Yes, that that's true. Could, so that actually, if all of heaven was that, you mm. wouldn't be able to. It's kind of like the human body without any skin. Mm. Like you wouldn't be able to protect yourself. So it couldn't be that we all die as children. So yeah. maybe that's factoring into it too. Those are a few thoughts on it. Let's do one more here before right. we wrap up. All right. This uh, another one from New Church of Montgomery. Is heaven another plane or somehow a different dimension? Can you? Like travel there from here? Is it just a subset of the physical world? Um, you know, could you could you find it if you're able to? You know, people talk about this fourth, eleventh dimension. Hidden if you could dimension, get in there, yeah. would you be there? Uh, right. It seems to me that Swedenborg seems to indicate it's not. I mean, he says the physical world and the spiritual world only communicate via correspondence. That's right. You, you can't travel through one into the other. Um, but, you know, he, nobody was talking about dimensions and that kind of thing right? in his day, so I don't know where he would draw the line if he knew the science as it is currently. Yeah, yeah, me neither. The, um, it, it is definitely emphasized that they're two discrete worlds, because a lot of people in Swedenborg's time thought that heaven was, like, up in the sky or it was somewhere in some galaxy yeah. or, you know, somewhere in the physical universe. It, it, it wasn't an... And when he, what he found out when he started having his experiences was that it was a completely separate world, but very present. I think in a certain way, yeah. if it was in another galaxy, you'd be so far away. That's right. But by no, you're being right here. a separate existence, a discreetly separate existence, it's able to be extremely close here. Yeah. And the bridge between the two is the human mind and heart. You know, we're, in a sense, in both worlds, but our senses generally pick up what's in this physical world while we're here except when we're you know dreaming yeah. or meditating or whatever and and then when we're there our senses pick up that world and no longer pick up this world and, and, so and you on. couldn't yeah you you couldn't have it be like a parallel dimension because spiritual world doesn't have space like this world does. it doesn't so it have the be same like, kind of space because let's if it was like people talk time. about people talk about um like 11 dimensions being curled in on each other so they're all like existing in this mm. tiny little point but if i access the spiritual world here or there um would that be different parts of it no the spiritual world is sort of like the internet it's like no matter right. the internet is on this screen it's also on that screen it's also on that you go to different it's not space and space and time like that so and swedenborg talks about the fact that even in this world you can think of a loved one or a friend who's in china you know like it like it doesn't take a while to think of them that's right you know your mind is there in an instant yeah. you yeah. know kind of thing 
so that is a different dimension than this than this this physical one. It really is a separate entire world and everything that's in this world is in that world but that world has a lot more things in it that are not in this world that said our hearts and minds are with all of you out there right now in spirit thanks for hanging out dr jonathan rose thanks for hanging out well that was fun yeah everybody thanks for giving us the opportunity to spend time telling you about the nuances of heaven we really like doing it uh we're gonna be back next week talking asking the question do spirits play a role in addiction so We're going to try to piece that together based on what Swedenborg wrote. If you want to take that trip with us, come hang out. We'll see you next week. Mm